The reading this morning comes from John 10, verses 1 to 18, which you can find on the Pew Bible on page 1062. John 10, uh, 1 to 18. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming... He abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Uh, when we think about the jobs that people have in our society today, there are some that, some that have a higher standard than others and some that carry perhaps, dare I say, a little less respect than others. And that was certainly the case back in Jesus' day as well. There were those jobs that were viewed quite highly, that were considered to be the prestigious positions in the community, and there were those that were a little less so. We see a good example of that in the parable of the prodigal son. The young son goes off to a foreign land, things get bad. He hits absolute rock bottom and he has to accept a job feeding pigs. I mean, he knew that his life had hit absolute rock bottom when he said, yes, I will take that job of feeding the pigs. And another job that didn't carry a whole lot of prestige back in Jesus' day was shepherds. 
uh, they were kind of down on the lower end of the social scale. I was trying to think about what the jobs are today that people put kind of down on that lower end of the scale. And I didn't want to suggest them because I thought all the lawyers here might get upset if I say that that was the job. So, I mean, if God's promising to send a shepherd, I mean, the people must have been thinking, really, a shepherd? Is that what we need? It'd be like saying God's going to send us a lawyer because they're always so helpful, aren't they? But the promise that God makes is that he's going to send a shepherd. And there's no doubt that the shepherds were kind of down on that lower end of the social spectrum at the time. I mean, and it's not too hard to understand why they would have been in the society of that day. I mean, first of all, their job is dealing with sheep. I mean, they are the dumbest animal on the planet. Goat herders would even boast about the fact that, well, at least I'm not a shepherd looking after sheep. Um, And looking after sheep didn't mean just working with sheep back in those days. It most often meant living with the sheep back in those days. Shepherds regularly slept out in the fields, as we hear in the Christmas story. Shepherds would be out in the fields at night because they didn't have the fences. They didn't have cyclone fences to protect them from wolves. The shepherds were the ones who were out there to protect the sheep. The sheep needed to know their shepherd, recognise his voice. They needed to know and stay close to him. Now, when you look through the pages of the Bible, right back to the very beginning, the idea of shepherd comes up quite a lot. I mean, partly because it was an agrarian society, they're farming and herding, so they'd talk about shepherds as part of common life. But it goes a little bit deeper than that. The idea of the shepherd is this image of caring for people in the pages of the Bible. God says that his rulers, the people that he appoints to lead, are supposed to be shepherds one of the ideas that's undergirding the story of King David. David was the youngest person in his family, so therefore, as the youngest child, he got the worst job. What's the worst job? Being the shepherd, having to look after the sheep. But God chooses David, the shepherd boy, to become the king of Israel because God wants a shepherd for his people. He wants someone who will look after and care for the people. Not be that leader who sits in the palace, but the leader who has a genuine concern for the people. Bible also talks about God being our shepherd. When Jacob is coming towards the end of his life at the end of the book of Genesis, at the end of uh, Genesis, he says that God has been his shepherd all his life, guided and directed him. We also see it in things like the Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd, leads me in green pastures, guides me in paths of righteousness, protects me with his rod and staff. But when you get to the end of the Old Testament, we hear the idea of shepherds coming up again. But this time, it's because of their failure to lead God's people. This time, it's because of the corruption of the leaders that they were supposed to be shepherds, but they've failed abysmally. It's always terrible, isn't it, when you see elected leaders or people who are put in a position of leadership in our society who involve themselves in corruption. I mean, it's so sad to see someone who's been elected to a position where they're supposed to be upholding standards and representing people, but they betray that trust. It's sad to see people who are appointed to serve but really just end up serving themselves. And that's what happened with the leaders of God's people. 
we get towards the end of the Old Testament and the leaders who were supposed to be there to serve, well, they're really just serving themselves. They've become greedy, power-hungry. Listen to the criticism that God makes of them. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds care for the flock? You eat curds, clothe yourselves with wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you don't take care of the flock. You haven't strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You've not bought back the strays or searched for the lost. And God promises that he's going to fix that. In this book of Ezekiel, he promises that he will do it. And the promise, the fix that God promises is pretty dramatic. Look at what God says. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when it is with them, when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they are scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. See that? God says that he will be the shepherd. And he's pretty emphatic. Goes on with this a little bit further on. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. It's an extraordinary statement, isn't it? And it goes one step further than that. God says not only will he do all of those things, but he will place a shepherd over them. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. We heard a little bit earlier from John's Gospel, that passage where Jesus declares himself to be that good shepherd. Now, it's no coincidence that Jesus uses those words. Jesus says that he is the shepherd of God's people. He is the one who has come to lead God's people. Jesus is the King David-like figure who will be the shepherd of God's people. But more than that, he's God in the flesh. He's come to rescue the sheep, to save the sheep, to find the scattered sheep, to rescue them and gather them together as his people. Jesus has come to take on that humble role of the shepherd. And this is what he says. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I mean, there's no doubting the humility of the life that Jesus lived. He spent the first 30 years of his life in pretty much obscurity in this little backwater town called Nazareth spent the last three years of his life being persecuted and misunderstood by religious leaders, spent the last few hours of his life enduring a humiliating and painful death on a cross. And what did Jesus gain from all of that? Nothing. We're the ones who benefit from that. And Jesus did it for our sake. I mean, it's genuinely selfless behaviour, isn't it? 
We celebrate Christmas. Uh, It's not just celebrating the birth of Jesus. We celebrate the life of Jesus. We celebrate the promises of God that are fulfilled in Jesus. We celebrate that Jesus is our shepherd. When Jesus talks about being the good shepherd, he's talking about the nature of the relationship that we're supposed to have with him. So Jesus says things like this, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And then a little further down he says this, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. If you were to visit a sheep farm today, they have thousands of sheep. I mean, the the farmer wouldn't even be able to tell you exactly how many sheep he's got on the farm, and he certainly doesn't give names to any of them. But the shepherds back in Jesus' day, well, it was a small flock that they had, and the shepherd lived with the sheep, slept in the fields to protect them. The sheep knew their shepherd, they knew his voice, and they followed him. They weren't scared of him. They knew that this was the one that you could trust, that he'll take you where the food is, that he'll take you where the water is. They could depend on him. And that's the relationship Jesus expects us to have with him, that we trust him, follow him, depend on him, but above all, that we listen to what he says. That's why the Bible gives us four accounts of the life of Jesus, four accounts of the things that Jesus said and taught. The very heart of being a Christian is the idea that we follow Jesus, that he is our shepherd, that we do want to hear his voice. There's a lot of unusual things and even dramatic things that happen in the Christmas story. You kind of heard about some of them in that song, that the angel appears to Mary. There's the, the immaculate conception, that well, the wise men coming from the east, even dreadful things like King Herod killing all of the babies. But one of the strange things that stands out to me is the angels appearing to the shepherds. Of all the people to appear to, why the shepherds? I mean, maybe they were chosen because of the humble circumstances and the position that they held in the society at that time. Jesus is being born into humble circumstances in the barn and so it kind of makes sense that humble people like shepherds would hear that announcement. But I can't help but think that it goes that little bit deeper. I can't help but think that the shepherds were chosen because the good shepherd was being born that day. I think that they're invited to welcome one of their own when they go to be the very first to welcome this child into the world. Jesus, the good shepherd, has come to rescue his people, to lay down his life for his sheep. He's come to lead his sheep for us to know him and to trust him and to follow him. Well, I hope that tomorrow is a great day for you and for your family or whoever you get to share Christmas with tomorrow. But above all, I hope it's a day when you can thank God for Jesus, the good shepherd who has come into the world. Let's join together and pray.